Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and Joel Clark for another episode of The Horror Express. Tonight we're talking about the 2000 film American Psycho. Um, this is, uh, I guess it's sort of like a slasher movie set in corporate New York, right? How would you guys describe this film? Uh, yeah, I would say it's it's actually really really fantastic a social satire on kind of the uh new york upper class at the same time <laughs> as you say it being a slasher movie at the same time but it uh i mean what what it, it's really the social satire element of this movie is what makes it it's like you don't want to watch this movie if you're like this movie's super scary or yeah. you know and it's got violence in it it's got it's definitely got some tense scenes in it that are very effective but it, there's just a specificity of someone that spent time in New York over the years that absolutely just nails, nails the uh, just that that kind of person in New York City that it's 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 pointed at. And it's set in the '80s too, so it's kind of yeah. like it's getting that backdrop of that period. And it's yes. and there's the question too because it's uh, what's his name? Pa- Patrick Bateman is the name of the character, right? And he's an investment banker, mm-hmm. and he's just like a successful kind of guy, and and uh, and he lives that lifestyle, and he's obsessed with all these superficial things, uh, and and but he also seems to be killing people, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and and uh, but by the end well, of the I movie, think... it's unclear if that's actually the case or not, and that's kind of one of the I... things that is interesting about it but go ahead adam yeah just to jump in real quickly you know saying he's a successful guy it's interesting because he has this job because of his father and we never see him do anything approaching work and he's always stressed out about the fact someone has a business card better than him or something and so the idea that he's successful anyway he's this guy who's got all this stuff but he's really kind of a failure at anything he actually wants to be able to do <laughs> yeah th- yeah the only thing we see him do in his office really is watch tv like he doesn't really you know it's not even clear exactly like you would not learn anything about investment banking watching this movie because we never see <laughs> no. him do any investment banking so no no um but joel did you what did you want to say something or were you just waiting up no i'm just oh. riding the tide on this okay one, man. all right like, uh, hey, no joke, I watched this movie religiously. Well, the mm-hmm. first time I saw it was a few years ago, and I liked it so much, I started designing a game about it. Okay. So, okay. Like, so you're a fan. You're a fan of the movie. I'm a big fan of this movie. Like, I, I read a little bit into the book, and, like, I, uh, there's there's a there's a lot to really enjoy about this movie. What What is it uh, that you like about it? What makes this movie so appealing to you? Because it obviously – I know you were the one that brought up this movie, I think, and you were also mm-hmm. the one that kind of petitioned for watching it this time, so – what was it about it that that drew you into it? I really like that it it centers itself in the psychology of its protagonist, mm-hmm. um, and like like you were mentioning, it's it's an unreliable narrative, because and not just because he's clearly actually insane, uh, but because by the end of the movie we're clearly seeing like a heightened version of reality yeah. where things are a lot more intense and terrifying for him. And there's also this running theme in the movie where it's not clear what anyone's identity is because they're all these interchangeable, clean-cut, yeah. business-suited white dudes. <laughs> which which like, is, they, just to jump in, that's really important for creating the ambiguity of whether he did it or not, too. But go, go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly right. Because, like, at the end of the movie, he kills someone who he's been mistaken for and then adopts his identity, and no one ever calls him on it at all. Mm. Um, and then there's some confusion about like, cause 
he goes back to the apartment where the guy's corpse should be hanging on a meat hook and it's all clean and nice and it's not clear it's not clear if that was just cleaned out like in a hush hush operation because it's a it's a high rise in new york and they want to resell it uh it's not clear if he completely imagined the whole thing Later on, though, though i will say this i think so we're going to probably have to take this piece by piece with because each scene yeah. that does this you kind of have to talk yeah. about but that scene the and, and adam i'm sure you could weigh in on this but but the rental oh, agent that's there she see she i mean and again we are looking at this through his eyes but we often do get different different levels of i don't know confirmation that something weird is going yeah, on well, or not we have, and we have an audience eye perspective and that becomes very clear by the end of the movie, but we also sometimes see things from his perspective. Yes, yes. And the movie doesn't always make it clear where those boundaries that's are. That's true, that's true. Yeah. But but in but that think... case, I feel like it was leaning towards maybe that lady knew something and they were kind of covering up whatever they found there because they were so greedy, they just wanted to sell sure. the, the They thing. want to sell the apartment. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that fit, the reason why I tend to lean that direction is not just because I'm a real estate agent. It's totally what I would do, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but also also just because it. I just feel it fits the theme of the movie better. That because yeah. just just to keep business rolling, it's better we just pretend yeah. this guy isn't a serial killer, so we can make a little more money. I think I think it just yeah it fits the movie better than oh he just imagined it yeah. all. I think I think it just works yeah, better. I, that's the thing. I do think that the weakest part of the movie is the idea that he may have imagined it all. And the more I rewatch it, the more I'm like, he didn't imagine it all. Well, he I just lives in a world where it doesn't matter that he didn't imagine I, it I all. I don't think exactly. that's weak. I think the fact that it's ambiguous like that is good. It's just that you you kind of want it to be one way or the other, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. I know that the director you are actually... describing ambiguity there, yeah. Brendan. What? <laughs> no, but describing the term ambiguity. No, but I mean, it's it's one of these things where you watch the movie and you. You don't know is this a condemnation of is is he is it is it because he's crazy and he and he's just you know uh, or is it because the world that he lives in is crazy and they you know what I mean and they don't you know all these different things like they like they don't uh, they're so self-absorbed and they're all so interchangeable none of them even notice when somebody gets murdered do you know what I mean or is it mm-hmm. that he's a you know that that this this lifestyle that he's leading is so is is either so stifling to him or so morally corrupt that it's driving him to murder. You know, it's, it, there, it's, yeah. well, it's like it's nothing. A, nothing he does matters in any way at all, even though he's this rich person yeah. who theoretically is great. Like I said, he's got this job his father gave him where he does nothing. And at the end, of, by the end of the movie, he's just desperate for someone to believe he killed these people yeah. simply because it's like at least. That's something instead of him being this completely meaningless <laughs> kind of but, cog that has this comfortable lifestyle. But I, I did look it up and the director did weigh in on that question of whether yeah. whether it was um, all in his head. And she said she, she, one of the things she said was she wasn't trying to say that it was all imagined. Do you know what I mean? with that? Like the scene where where he fires the gun and the police cars explode and. You know, it's a little bit over the top. Yeah, there. I, I, it seemed to me like she was just trying to create a sense of ambiguity around it, and uh, and and maybe this stuff did happen, but it didn't happen the way he thought it happened. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, again, I think I think that's one of the cool things about the movie is you can watch it and have all these different interpretations of it. Um, yeah. And and it 
and it's and it's a it, 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 again i haven't seen it as much as usual and i mean I, I saw i've seen this like the second time i've seen it so it's it's definitely not like a movie that i'm as into as you are but it is one of those movies where you know i saw it several years ago and then I found myself often thinking about it again, just because it's like, wait, what? What did happen in that movie? What was going on? Do you know what I mean? So it it is fun to turn over in your mind. It's not as, as straightforward as a lot of uh, horror movies. Like you contrast this with um, a movie that actually is featured in this movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, which similarly has this kind of moment where it feels like it just completely goes off the rails, and then suddenly you're the animal in a butcher house, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and like. In that movie, there's not any ambiguity. And so although it's a really fun movie that I'll watch over and over and over again, like I don't really turn it over in my head like I turn this movie over in my head because it's not just the ambiguity. It's not just like the contrast of how good Patrick has it with how little he seems to matter. It's, It's not just the ridiculous amount of violence and like the explosive, horrific sexual violence in his life. It's also just that no one seems it's it's like everything everything about this movie is something that gets in my head and i'm like oh my god i have to think about this mm-hmm. uh so it, it really demands your your attention even after you're done watching it and i think that's one of the reasons it's like one of my favorite movies yeah well, I, I just really like the specificity of this movie too yes. like every little every little detail in this movie i mean the director did live in new york in the 70s and the 80s and i mean it's it's just it just gets everything right. I mean, it just feels even though it's even though, you know, there, I mean, the level of the movie gets increasingly heightened and it's satirical and isn't always realistic on another level. It is totally realistic through all the little details. I, and speaking of the specificity, I love how specific Patrick is in all of his tastes and ideas. He knows all the brand <laughs> names. He knows exact times and places like and he it's like he memorizes reviews of these records he's obsessed with yes. and like yeah quotes them his from memory stuff. it's but it's like insane how specific it but is. there's a real yeah. lifelessness to his reviews too of the of the and also his taste is a little bit you know his uh well, they, they do the yeah. thing at one point where he reverses his opinion on huey lewis just because he has like he has two he has two road opinions in his head the one yeah. where he likes it and the one where he doesn't like it because really there's nothing really there anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, so he can, he can kind of like just flip around like that. Well, and he does it with all of them. Like he praises them for being very personal and artistic. He praises them for being commercial and professional. Yeah. He yeah. praises them for, you know, for being genre defined, breaking the mold. And he praises them for confirming your expectations and doing <laughs> things as you would expect them to do. Like everything. He, he's just, there's no actual, he doesn't say anything for all the hot air he has about these. Yeah, but on the on the specificity thing, I have to add too. Back before the movie even came out, a friend of mine had read the book, and he was selling me on how great this book was. And and the thing he was going on about, he was just like, "It's amazing. This character, he just goes on about his taste in soap and his taste in suits and and his music." And he says, and it was like he was totally not selling me on it. Yeah, it doesn't he was sound... describing it. I was just like, "Oh, okay." Then I saw the movie, and I was just like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's like that opening oh, scene so where he does his whole he describes everything that he does in the morning oh, to get I ready. Love that scene. You know, yeah. You know, and, and it's like, OK, because he does he does the whole thing. Right. And he describes all the stuff he does. Then he keeps going well past where you yeah. would think that he was done. Yeah. Then he keeps going even further. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because he's got like, like eight things that he puts on his. You yeah. put on. <laughs> 
Well, and the face mask kind of cool because it kind of brings it into the slasher genre better by having that that transparent face mask that he wears. But like, you got him looking into a mirror and peeling off his face. So there's a lot of like, your mind is thinking about identity and being faceless, and yeah, that's a cool scene in a lot of ways. I just love, I love how it's paced. Because they know when they when you think it's going to stop, and then they go a little further, like, oh, okay, but, you define my expectations. Then they go absurdly further, whatever you think that stopped. And I love that pacing. Yeah, And it's kind of interesting that it seems like he wants to be a serial killer, and he's almost reciting the characteristics of a serial killer in his narrative. But by the end of the movie, it's like he does, he's not a confirmed serial killer. Do you know what I mean? He's a, it, yeah, it kind he, of fails at everything yeah. in this movie when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but but what I want well, the reason I mentioned that is because I I want to ask this question and I, I you guys might disagree with me but I'm I'm wondering is this really a horror movie because it's it feels I I can see Joel's reaction but hear me out it feels more like a thriller comedy or more of like a psychological thriller comedy to me than a proper horror movie and yeah I'm, it's it's hard to slot it into a genre I'll grant because mm. the kills are sometimes done for comedy. Or just yeah. for like, for, for yeah, it, like the impact of just how absurdly over the top they are. Like when he drops the chainsaw on the girl from like thirty fours up, like that's just yeah. not. And it's all like artistically done. Yeah. Not every I, horror movie I, has to be scary, but at no point was I ever scared watching this movie. Yeah, Either time I, I watched I, it, I, you know when we when we when we suggested doing this for the next episode last week, my initial thought was. I'm not sure if that's a horror movie, but I really wanted to review it. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, I don't care. I'm just going to let it go either way. Cause I, that's, that's, I haven't, I, I haven't seen it in 20 years. I don't and know. It, if and the, I was just, I was really happy to watch it again. I don't know what the criteria for true horror movie would be. There's a lot of really gruesome kills in this, which yeah. I feel like, yeah. like oh, that, I think alone is what sort of puts it in the horror movie category for me. Cause I guess you could do a comedy where, where you had this much gore and human mutilation, but I don't, well, I don't know that whole, I'd call it a pure fact, comedy. But those, yeah, but the whole fact there's a thriller genre, you know, like, is it a thriller or is it a horror movie? I guess is the question. I don't I, know. I, I feel like, like the, the act scene was pretty comedic. Do you know what I mean? Like that was a that was a comedic well, kill. See, horror and comedy aren't necessarily opposites, though. There are lots of genuine yeah. horror movies that are comedic. Yeah, like, I mean, the Evil the yeah. Dead Two, for example, is a horror. Yeah, movie. I I agree, I agree, I agree. But this yeah, and Freddy Krueger cracks jokes. I mean, like horror and comedy grow up together. They're all about the unexpected. This yeah. movie is powerfully about the unexpected, but and I think e- that Evil Dead Two scares me. This movie doesn't. Do you know what I mean? I I was oh, yeah. scared by Evil I... Dead. Yeah, hmm? I, I agree with that. Point. You weren't scared um, by well, Evil Dead too. There were parts in the movie. I, I saw it as an adult. So okay, I, that movie terrified me when I first saw it. It was. Yeah. You were probably a teenager. Though. Yeah, I was. I was like, like twelve younger. or something. Right, yeah. I was like in my mid twenties when I first saw that movie. So okay. I was like, dude, cool. Yeah, but as far as uh, as far as this goes, there are movie parts in this movie where I was generally very tense. I mean, the part where his assistant goes back to the apartment. Yeah. It's been twenty years since I've seen it. I couldn't remember if he killed. Yeah, him I or couldn't not. either. So I was I just like. I, during that scene, I was kind of on the edge of my seat. So, it, but of course, that could still be within the thriller territory, not the horror territory. Yeah. So, it's, it's how hard. many thrillers have this many graphic, violent, horrible deaths? Huh. I mean, like that's the thing. Thriller is about the tension. It's not really about this amount of blood and body parts. That's, that's I, a, I get that's you, but, but 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 the two big kills that stand out in my head both have a humorous edge to them. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but again, that doesn't invalidate the horror. 
Because I mean, like even the even the acting. Let's go back to the acting. Because you're, you're right. That's that's played for comedy. He also hits a guy in the head with a with a splitting maul and and just completely kills him. I mean, like that's that's still shocking. And, and but that's the thing. I'm not I'm not shocked by it because of the humor. It like makes me overlook it. I don't know how to explain it. And like, and I'm trying no, to draw no, I, comparisons I, I, I to doing that. Yeah, and I'm trying to. But like, I'm, I'm trying like, to. Like, that's, oh, go ahead. Do, you compare it to Bugs Bunny, where he hits somebody in the head with an anvil, but like. There's no consequences in Bugs Bunny, so it's pure comedy. You know, the physical yeah. part is they see some stars. This guy's corpse hits the ground in that scene with a heavy, meaty thud. It's very real. Yeah, but then, um, but then there's a punchline because as he's, you know, doing that, doesn't he say something about the business cards? Like when he's chopping the guys. It's like get tickets to Dorja now. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that. The, yeah. That was it. He, but but been, again, we're actually seeing the psychosis that drives him to murder, even though that's funny to us. No, I get it. I get so, it. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this is a criticism of the movie. I'm just saying this purely no, about it's purely about where it gets classified. That doesn't <laughs> feel. I don't know, and and I might be biased against it because the setting is not one that you traditionally associate with horror. So maybe that's where I'm. I think that's at. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Like they're because it, it doesn't have the same kind of like coldness that like Silence of the Lambs has, yeah. which because Silence of the Lambs has its own gore and what have you, but it's not just a thriller; it's a horror thriller. Yeah, because it's that's a horror movie. It's really that's a horror dark movie. and stomach churning. This has comedy in it. You can't really describe a scene like it, that without using the term comedy. Maybe but, it's because okay, here's maybe why we're seeing the whole movie through the killer's eyes, and the killer is a little bit ridiculous or farcical. He's not. He's not, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, well, so he, to the extent that we... this, like, cocaine high in body. Yeah, like, he yeah. very much is extreme and to this absurd point. To, to the extent okay. that we oh. question how much of this even happened at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? So, but go go ahead, Adam. You were going to say something? I'll, 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 I suppose one argument towards it being horror is that horror is a genre. An element often is just this darkness to the world. And this is a movie where ultimately... There's really nothing redeeming at the end of this. I mean, it's kind of this dark <laughs> darkness to him. It's, mm. it's not resolved. It's not like he gets better. He's the same horrible person all through it. I mean, it is. It, it, it's like he, he, because it's done a satirical way. It doesn't feel quite yeah. as heavy, but it is. It is a pretty bleak and, movie. Overall. And the fact that you don't know has he killed or has he not or has he killed less than we saw or has he not killed but he is going to in the future does create a sense of unease about the film it, at the film unease is in a lot of scenes like yeah. the attention that adam was describing in the scene where his uh, uh secretary goes back to his apartment there's a lot of tension in that scene and a, pretty much any time he brings someone back to his kill zone i yeah. felt that same tension like both times he had the um the when he had the uh, escorts over and also when he had his girlfriend and the prostitute over both mm-hmm. times i was like what is going to happen to these poor women yeah <laughs> yeah it's an upsetting scene to watch, even though, again, he's making muscles at himself in the mirror while he's recording himself. Like, there's, com- there's comedy to it as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, well, it's a very unusual blend. Well, okay, yeah, because his name is Bateman, right? So it's obviously, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, obviously kind of, like, a masturbation reference in the name itself. And he, There's that, and yeah. also uh, Norman Bates. Yeah, to yeah, Norman film. Bates. And, and, he's, and he watches um, uh, porn. And horror movies. I think those are the only things I remember him watching in the movies. And yeah, he watch and this is important. He doesn't 
he doesn't watch porn the way most people watch porn, right? He just has it on the background. He's not, he's not, you know, so. He's not engaged with it at all. Yeah. yeah I know. I was kind of wondering. I'm like, does he just feel like he should have and, porn on? Yeah. So he turns it on. It's normal. Like he he's having conversations with he people. Feels he should have musical taste. He's having or... conversations on the phone with all kinds of people while porn is blaring in the background. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's like he's clearly. He's clearly either oblivious to the fact that that should. It, it kind of reminds me of a Taxi Driver when he takes the girl to the to the, yes. to the to the to the porn theater. He's like, "What's the problem? Like, you know, we're going to see a movie." And I don't know. Have you have you seen that scene, Joel? Where oh, uh, yeah. okay, well, um, I love Taxi yeah. Driver. Another really good one. So it reminds me uh, of that. Another one where they do a good job of using an unreliable narrator. Yeah. So. But it reminds me of that scene. But also, it could be that he's using it to for some. You know, the way that he uses every commodity in his life in social situations to kind of, you know, send some message that he wants sent to the person on the other end of the phone. But I'm inclined to think he just doesn't even get that, uh, that having yeah, porn blare in the background. Is, to that yeah. interpretation because like he consistently doesn't like, he'll bring up serial killers in conversation. Like yeah. that's just something normal people do. Yeah. You know, you know what Ted Bundy said about women? Who's Ted Bundy? Yeah. Like that was, he, that was honestly the one point where I, one point in the movie where I didn't believe something, which was that there was anybody in the eighties who hadn't heard of Ted. Yeah. Bundy. Yeah. I was just like, I, I, do I was just like, we were supposed what? to read that as how insulated this clique yeah. of his was. I don't, well, I don't it was, think I mean, but were... it wasn't part of his clique. It was the, it was the, uh, it was the, the assistant who was, you know, just a normal person. The assistant was the one who's like, who's Ted Bundy. And yeah. I was like, there's oh, no way. Right. There's no way a single woman living in New York just has not has heard never of heard of Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that was just that, the the media sensation of Ted Bundy in the '80s was just huge. I mean they were made for TV movies, everything, you know. But uh, but I'm not that, that that the fact that's the only thing in the movie that I was like eh, is is pretty good. <laughs> Not, not the scene where he shoots the cop car and it explodes. It, like even he doesn't believe that, it. He loses his gun. Like, wait, what? Yeah, that, that <laughs> was that was unrealistic in a deliberate way. So that's that's a whole different. Thing. Well, and that's the scene that draws everything into question, right? When you, you yeah, know, you see that you're like, oh, okay, everything might have been not real at this point. So um, yeah, but yeah. I don't. I tend <laughs> to think he did. He both he both has a loose grip on reality and he killed people yeah. is probably my favorite interpretation. Well, because what I because I want to believe the scene where the guy I forget his name the doofus character um, Lewis right was it Lewis uh, yeah, yeah yeah where Lewis. Lewis is with that woman and he brings the body into the back of the car and he's like oh I, I, what did he say is that a real yeah. Gutierrez or whatever I don't know name brands but whatever name brand overnight bag he thought it was it's not even that like they, they literally see him putting a body in the car and all they care about is the designer brand that it's packaged in. And so it's, it's like, so it's, 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 uh -huh. it's so like one reading of the movie is that they're, that, that they're even possibly aware of what he's doing, but they just don't care because they're so preoccupied with everything else, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, I bring up the brand thing again too. I just watching the credits to this movie. I like, there's a section where like, there's a thank section where they thank all the brands that are mentioned. <laughs> I'm like, that's such a dubious distinction. But, uh... <laughs> oh, geez. There were some CEOs clucking their tongue at those credits. Like, uh, yeah, you're welcome. We'll approve this. <laughs> Get them in here now. I'm going to literally murder them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just learned that our overnight bags are great restoring bodies. 
<laughs> so what what were uh, some of your favorite scenes in this movie? Oh man. Uh, I mean the best scene is probably the business card scene. And that's that is... it's edging out some hellacious competition, but man, that scene makes this movie. Yeah. 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 I mean that 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 is probably the best scene and outside of that the best line in this movie is I've got to return some videotapes. Yeah, that comes that's... up a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> which that line also is one of the reasons that's i think an argument in favor of it all being in his head because he keeps saying that and it sort of suggests like he's maybe been just watching a lot of these kind of movies like even even the stuff that he does he videotapes so it's kind of conceivable it's something that he watched and he mistook for something that happened do you know what i mean hmm. like oh yeah good point yeah i hadn't thought about that so, but you're right. There's a lot of uh, recording, and like cause even he records his confession at the end, and it's just taken as a joke. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one you of know? my favorite scenes when he, he confesses in the office, and then he goes to the to the the lawyer who he confessed to, and the guy's like, "Oh, that was a great joke." But the only part you got wrong is that Pat yeah. Bateman is just like a loser who would never be able to kill somebody, because <laughs> <So, laughs> he mistakes him for a guy named Davis. You know, so it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. I was. I was this close to just recording, like just taking the script from that and recording it and making Adam my victim in that. <laughs> I, I killed Adam Baldersome with a hatchet. His body is decomposing in an t- apartment tenement in, Dallas, in Dallas Kitchen. Like, I really wanted to do that and just like have us play that as the lead in to this. I didn't do it, but I was strongly tempted. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so beautiful. Like, here's why I didn't, by the way. I tried to deliver it like he delivers it in the movie, and I was like, wow, he really acted his ass off in that scene. It's really good. You yeah. know, because he's really, like, he built the whole persona, and then he made it crumble on camera. And you got to see, like, this rat coward that he truly has come out, too. And I was like, wow, I actually can't put that much into this performance I'm doing. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have Christian Bale's talent and skill so i was like nah i'm not gonna half-ass that was that was a pretty cardio heavy performance too so you probably wouldn't want to be yeah oh come on i can do cardio no i'm not saying you can't do cardio i'm just saying you do a thousand yeah could you do yeah that's the question i gotta say i question i question the value of doing a thousand sit-ups like he did at the beginning of the movie that that seems like a a lot reliable narrator a thousand a day for his daily ritual really well, it just seems like there should be, you know, some space in between them. You know, like just sit there doing thousands seems like not a good idea. He does a yeah. hundred an hour over the space of May, hours, uh, there you go. Fact, but I thought, but I thought it was like his warm more warm up routine in the morning or something. So <laughs> yeah. he's doing a thousand. Yeah. Well, he said I can do over a thousand. Yeah. I don't know what he meant by that though. Uh, I think he yeah. said I can do a thousand now, didn't he? Like it seemed like like. I mean, it, it works in the movie, yeah, because, you know, my quibble it. aside, because it's, it, it suggests that, like, you know, he's he's been working to attain this as part, you know, it's, a, it's, it's part of that whole ridiculous routine he has in the morning where it's just, again, part of his self-obsession and his narcissism and all that. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, he's doing all these things that are healthy and good for him, but it's not to prolong his life. It's purely because he wants to look at himself in the mirror, it seems so. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's just a, a temple to his ego. Yeah. Um, another element of this movie that actually is one of the this movie and uh, Interview with the Vampire both have this uh, a protagonist that is like really powerfully driven to commit the the, the acts of violence that they're driven to, like because he doesn't even seem to derive a lot of joy from doing it. 
he just seems to need to have this outlet, this yeah. horrific, violent outlet that he occasionally just... It, it's almost like... And it's twisted up in this movie, and it makes it very clear that this is kind of like an outgrowth of a sexual urge where like it mounts to this point, and he has a seek yeah. release for it. Well, and, there, uh, there's kind of a suggestion ugh. that he might be like secretly gay or something. Do you know what I mean? Or that he's like struggling because he doesn't have any clear sense of identity. He's just so so blended in with everybody else that he needs to do something to well, kind of right. He's constantly yeah. convincing himself. Of yeah. Things. Yeah. After the after the uh, the misunderstanding scene in the bathroom he has with that guy, yeah. I seem to recall the very next scene is him having sex with that guy's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, that's the thing. Just like the oh. thing that makes me wonder about that is number one in that scene. If you just watch that scene, it it doesn't necessarily look like he tried to kill the guy and then the guy came on to him and he left because there was a misunderstanding. You could read that as he was feeling ashamed about the desire that he had. Do you know what I mean? Like it. it, it oh yeah, it, like because he he's really unsettled by that encounter. Like he washes yeah. his leather gloves with soap <laughs> yeah. and water. Yeah. He's yeah. just that re- repulsed and. Yeah. But but again, that's not a normal human reaction to this at all. But another reading of the scene could, and this is again why the movie is kind of interesting. Another reading of the scene could be like. You know, he's trying to be a killer and he wants people to see him as a killer. And then when he attempts it, the guy mistakes it for a sexual advance. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it, it also works from the other readings of it. <laughs> but I think but I think that and the fact that he's ha- that he's not only having sex with her in the next scene, but he's having an ongoing affair with her. And it's like this. It's like a sexual connection to that character. Do you know what I mean? So you could read mm-hmm. it as like, you know, is, this guy's got some like deeply repressed sexual desires like joel was saying that are coming out in the form of murder um you know but uh but i i don't know i i I think uh i I think what's kind of cool about the movie is it doesn't it doesn't really answer a lot of those questions it kind of it suggests a lot it allows you to turn it over in your mind i love that about it you know i yeah i did i did see a quote from the i I looked up the director a little bit after looking at this one quote from her is how she doesn't like movies that have ideology or kind of mm. teach you anything. She she does like movies that just present something and leave everything up to you. And I I think she was very successful at that with this movie. Yeah, because you you do have to do the work uh, watching this movie. You can't you can't just um, it it doesn't provide you with like a philosophy on life that you can just take away from the <laughs> yeah. film. And and if it did, you should probably really consider whether you got the right reading of the movie. If, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to, yeah. you're going to make this movie a foundation to your, the way that you conduct yourself in the world. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think, uh, but I think that that is what's cool about it. I think that's better in general. Like I kind of agree with her. I don't like there. I'm okay with watching a movie that has a hokey message or has a heavy handed message and I can overlook it. But I do. I do always feel a little bit insulted when it's like you know yeah. I've I've had my whole life to come up with my ideas about the world, and in two hours you're going to give me a lesson. Uh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> with with characters that you invented and made do what you want. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. It's really easy to to make a movie that 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 where everything explains your your approach to life. Yeah. it's just too easy. Yeah, but but this yeah. movie forces me to consider a lot and to weigh things and to think and and you kind of bring things into the movie do you know what i mean so you have to kind it's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting it's like a it's a very interesting experience so i think that uh you know i i i, I do respect it for how you know now that you brought that quote up how it how it took that approach because i think that's again that's why there is sort of this 
you know, you know, like the sort of like the first time you see it, it's almost like, okay, he's a murderer. And then like maybe by the end or by the second time you see it, it's like, oh, he maybe he wasn't. But I feel like, you know, further and further thought, it's like, I don't know what's supposed to be true about this. It's so. Yeah. So, yeah. So. So I, I think it's it's good for that reason. Um, you know, what? what well, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. One of, the, one of the things I liked about that is that even with that, even with multiple interpretations of the, the literalness of the events that we see, it's it's social commentary and it's critique on on like 80s culture and especially that that one particular clique of 80s culture that like yuppie culture they're talking about like it's intact in every interpretation yeah that that is one thing that yes. that kind of does stay intact i suppose is, is that um but they're also kind of pulling you into that world too which is interesting do you know what i mean oh, yeah. so, I, I almost feel complicit when i watch this movie <laughs> because of like how because i'm into it first of all and like you are like so deep inside patrick bagman's psyche in this movie like you get real messy with him mm-hmm. And no amount of rain slickers can keep the blood off your laundry when you haul it to the Chinese laundromat. Which is interesting, too, because that's one of the... There's, the, like, a lot of the scenes he'll say something and people will misunderstand. Like, he'll say, I want to murder you. And the person will be like, oh, you wanted a drink? That, that, that's not an actual line from the movie, but it's that kind of a thing. Yeah, the, and, the murders and yeah. murders and executions yeah. there as, as mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. But, that, the, uh, but the one person who seems to get him is the lady at the laundromat who doesn't even speak English during the whole exchange. So I yeah. thought that was kind of interesting because she she's like whoa like what did you just say when he says like i'm gonna i forget he threatens her in some way um and yeah, once again she's outside the bubble it's like i said there's the characters the assistant character is one who doesn't live in that world yeah. she's another character who does the the prostitute character too she's another yeah throughout the whole movie even before the scene where you know where she she gets attacked at the end she she is just looking at him with contempt yeah. through from the beginning from the yeah. second she he first hires her it's like she can like you know obviously she's desperate enough that she she's willing to do this stuff for money but she just she just gets a read on him instantly well and what's interesting too is the end scene where like it looks like what they're tr- like the way that the scene plays out is a classic kind of like well no this couldn't have happened because i had lunch with so and so at the you know and so therefore mm-hmm. this is all just a dream or this was all just in your head um number one the guy who says it is mistaking him for somebody else that whole conversation yeah, so, in yeah, that scene yeah, yeah. but it's yeah, also like, being juxtaposed with the person outside the bubble like adam is saying Jean or whatever her name is the, the chloe Jean. seven whatever her last name is i can't get the actress's name right but uh what how do you pronounce her name chloe what i think it's savini but i okay. could be wrong so the, I don't the, wanna... the chloe savini character she's looking at his thing and she's got this horrified look on her face like you know, and that's being juxtaposed with the scene that's supposed to be telling us that this was all just a dream or this was all just in his head. So, you know, I think if you if you kind of do what Adam's saying, you strictly go by the people outside the bubble. It'd be interesting to see if those all confirm yeah. some amount of the killings. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, so you know, because because that scene with the lady at the laundromat is striking. Like the woman has a real reaction and I feel yeah. I, I, I didn't like comb through it to see if, if what I'm saying right now is a hundred percent accurate, but I feel like that's the first time I, I noticed anybody really reacting to him saying something super crazy and violent. Yeah. One thing that's interesting that I noticed, I don't think I saw it noticed the first time I saw it is the way the first time the detective goes to talk, talk to him, he starts to say, 
you know, so I say, well, that's not where I heard you were. And he starts to say where he heard he was, which would have made everything yeah. very easy for him. He almost, you know, <laughs> and and Patrick Bateman just cuts him off and he never gets to say yeah. it. And so he's in that he's got that whole uncertainty going. And that time they go to lunch, he actually does tell him, oh, you're exonerated. Yeah, yeah. So that, this whole it's like if if he just could have kept his mouth shut for like 10 more seconds, he would have known all along that he had an alibi well not a real alibi but an alibi that the detective believed. well and the thing is too there's like we should probably talk about the willem dafoe character because it's like yeah there's the whole scene where he uh that scene and then he and then he opens up the the briefcase and he takes out the huey lewis and the news album and it seems like like a colombo type thing where he's like you know trying to you know like i know what you did but 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 then when you get to the point where it's like clearly he was exonerated. Oh no, this guy's just maybe possibly a doofus who was just trying to legitimately talk about Huey Lewis in the news. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. What did you guys think of the Willem Dafoe scenes? That, that yeah, was I... another part of this that I really liked, by the way. So whenever you're done, Adam, I will. Go, I'm. I got some fun stuff. I get. Oh, I got some stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, Willem Dafoe is always good in anything, but uh, but no, you go ahead. Actually, I'll, I'll, you you do your thing first. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I agree with you, Willem Dafoe rules in every role I've ever seen him in. Yeah, um, he's fantastic. I saw him in Wild at Heart, where I wasn't expecting him, and he was really great in that. Uh, of course, he was famously the Green Goblin, where he was strangely toned down in my estimation. And Existence um, by Cronenberg is like just a tiny mm-hmm. little bit part, but it's do, so good. Dune, Bo- Dune uh, was it? Uh, ah. So good. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Got, got Bo- some monkey noises to make. To no, boon, boon, no, Boondock. I was trying to say Boondock Saints, and it was coming out wrong. Oh yes, yeah. yes. yes, the Boondock Saints. Yeah. Oh god, yes. I forgot he was in that as the as the detective again, the hyper competent <laughs> yeah. uh, detective in that one. Um, another really good role, and, uh, and obviously Platoon. Of... Platoon is probably his best role. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I actually I think that it's again. I love the ambiguity of that character in this movie because you're not sure if he's a doofus. Yeah. It sometimes does seem like he's genuinely kind of bumbling around a guy that he is like way beyond this dude's pay grade. He's like, okay, I've got to be here for my job, but this guy's a millionaire. Like, I don't want to like, so you're not really sure if that's what's happening or if he's really zeroing in on Bateman because he, there is that edge when he talks to him. He's like, Oh, that's, let me contradict you. That's that's a story that you're making. Here's where we place you. Yeah. And like you can see Bateman like just trying to maintain and not crack under the pressure. And you're not sure how much of that is in his head. Um, I really like that because, again, I feel like we're getting the the protagonists, for lack of a better term, view of how intense the situation is. And it really feels like everything in his life is coming to this apocalyptic head. And then the detective just vanishes from the movie. Yeah. At one point, yeah. and at the end scene, the, he's talking to the lawyer, and the lawyer's like, "No, no he's not even dead. We, he was seen in Paris, just like the, just like the tape said." And in the earlier scene, we saw him, we saw Bateman make that recording that clearly is fake, that exonerated him. So it's, yeah, it's it's really I love it structurally. Actually, again, I love that so much structurally that I started making a game around it. Um, so, it's it. it I, I like the way it functions in the narrative and it also really functions well as a game mechanic where you just kind of add a little more pressure over time as you continue to make evidence towards a case that will annihilate you. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's really cool and it's, it's functional in the movie and also Willem Dafoe rules. 
He's yeah. fantastic in that because it's amazing to watch an actor ride that line between between like Sherlock Holmes and and complete dingus. Yeah. You know, you don't know and, which one you've got. Yeah. While we're talking about great things, Willem Dafoe was in Fishing with John. That's uh, one of my favorites. I don't think I've seen that one. The TV show, actually, the, 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 where it's John Lurie, a musician, he was in a, the, the, he, uh, he, he goes fishing with a different celebrity every week. And there's an episode with him and Willem Dafoe going fishing and Ooh. ice fishing. It is fantastic. Oh, my God. That has to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one who wants to see Willem Dafoe and Bob Odenkirk do something together? Okay. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I would, I would be totally on board with that. That would be interesting. Oh, my God. Um, so, uh. So what about I get what about the um, I mean we touched on it a little bit but is there anything we want to say in addition on the uh, on on all the musical commentary that he's doing throughout the movie? Um, mm, yeah, I, I I could talk about any aspect of this movie for days, dude. I really <laughs> I really like this movie. The music the music in this movie is perfect. It is just I mean I don't have a lot I don't have like any insight. Well, can, can I just say, say it is just. As someone that lived through the whole eighties, it is. I hate Huey Lewis in the news, like passionately. I cannot stand. Now I don't mind Phil Collins. Phil Collins doesn't bother me, but Huey Lewis in the news, I really can't stand that music. And uh, really, even the even the power of love. No, I think that's like the most. Really, it's the most like burped out song. Like burped out in the sense that it just doesn't feel it just feels like it's all on autopilot to me. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I have to remember I remember watching uh like um Back Back to the Future for the first time. And they have the part where Marty goes to audition for the talent show and he starts to play. He's got his band and they start they get cut off early in the song. They start to play, you know power of love and i'm like there is no way there is no way that character would be playing that song it just rang so mm-hmm. false to me that like a teenager at that and i was a teen like this is when the movie first mm-hmm. came out but i was just like no no this is a song some dude in his 30s is playing you know, not <laughs> you know what it is it's it's all in the song hip to be square where he's talking about how he loves his bands he loves his rock bands and suits and he's cut his hair and all that stuff it's just like he's the antithesis of everything i want rock music to be and down <laughs> down to like you don't even really feel like like i mean it's obviously guitar based music but it doesn't feel like it's guitar driven at all it feels like it's very driven by other instruments that are in the mix and it's very highly produced and it just uh, i just doesn't sound like it's got no you don't you don't hear a huey lewis song and feel like you got hit in the stomach with it you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. it's not that kind of music so yeah. Um, well, the other going back to the back to the future thing, I just have to say too the fact that that's the song where the principal's like, "Oh, this is terrible." It's like, no, that's what the well, principal. Well, that that was Huey Lewis too. in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah. it was. I, yeah. I I was getting the principal yeah. from the fifties. I was I was imagining it as yeah. him being the principal in that scene. But you're right, the principal was Huey Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 it's, and that that's the other thing. I, he says, "I'm sorry, your music's too damn loud." And it's like that is not too damn loud by any, you know. I know. So it, it is. It is pretty inoffensive. I, I don't know. I like Huey Lewis. I think he's catchy. Um, on the other hand, I'm not a huge Phil Collins fan. There's a few Phil Collins things I really mm. enjoy, and a lot of it, like in the air tonight, I'm just like. Uh, See, I like in the air tonight songs but... so many times. And, and to, to differ with Patrick Bateman, I'm a very big fan of early Genesis and '80s Genesis. I do like 
fair amount of it, but some of it I really, I, really I think they did that by design because I think they were trying to take because most people oh yeah like early Genesis and kind of criticize later Genesis yeah. for being more commercial. So I think that's why they had him take that opinion. But um, of course, but well, like he only listens to pop music. Yeah, really. Yeah, like his his music taste is just like what's on the front page but you know but i do want to say this yeah. about phil collins the reason why i'm kind of sympathetic to phil collins is because he's so attacked all the time it makes me I agree. do you know what i mean i feel like i, I feel yeah. like i want to defend I, the guy yeah i, I like i because I, I like phil collins whenever i see him anyway it's like i said he's, he's done a good amount yeah. of decent pop music yeah, on top like, of the the earlier edgier stuff than, and like uh, and like and, and, and like obviously you, you don't like the song joel but like the the in the air tonight is like the one thing that you that even if you don't like it, you at least probably have to acknowledge that it's like had a massive influence on a lot of other music. Oh, yeah. So well, I mean, yeah. even even outside of like his, his own it. stuff, I mean, he was an amazing drummer on a lot yeah. of albums over the course of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very talented guy. Um, For, that's that's the thing. It's good to acknowledge that he's an incredibly talented musician. And I yeah. will admit, when I when I first when I was younger, I loved In the Air Tonight. Hmm. It's not that it's a bad song. It's that I've heard it a hundred million yeah, times yeah, yeah. at this point, yeah. and I just don't want to hear it again. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's a fine song. It's fine, but it's not even as good in my estimation as like King of Pain, which is like if you're going to like uh-huh. kind of songs from that era. Yeah, mm-hmm. King of Pain has got a lot more playability. I haven't overheard I it, and it's, it's overall a better song. It's better constructed. Um, yeah. What in the air night gets part. though is it gets it gets an atmospheric vibe that makes you actually feel. I don't. know, I have this reaction to it. Maybe you don't. I actually feel like coldness when I listen to that song. Do you know what I mean? No, it, yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, it does. Do and that. I and not again, and I, a lot of songs can't do that. So that's one of the reasons why I, I think it's like a good. It's well done. <laughs> Um, for for me, part of part of my criticism is the synth, and it, every time I hear synth, even in game, the songs I love, like Final Countdown, the, the synth drives it down for me. Okay. It feels very dated when I hear it. Okay, you know, so that that's and that's a very personal criticism. That's not. I, I don't even want to call this, this that is, like a legitimately. This is a whole side subject. I'm kind of. I, I I get you, but I I feel like there's a lot of really good uses of synth that I've heard. Um, sure, you know, me too. yeah. So, but but also I think that pe- what what. One thing that some that kind of feels like happens is people get mad at synth, and the electric organ also gets thrown out the window too. Even though that's yeah. like a much more powerful, ballsy instrument. Do you know what I mean? So like, well, um, I think I think in the eighties too, there was like this this era of the eighties where because synth was synth music was cheap to make, there was just this overuse of synth yeah. in like movie soundtracks and things like that. So I mean, there was a period where I had yeah. well, both Bill Collins. <laughs> And synth were things in the late '80s. I just had this yeah. feeling of backlash against, yeah, yeah. and I've kind of come back around on both yeah. those things because they're not omnipresent anymore. So, sometimes when I hear a horror movie soundtrack that has a lot of that synth going on, it's kind of cool because it, it it's yeah. a very specific sound from a specific time period, and it you know you know that's, you know what you're supposed to be that. feeling when you hear it if you grew up during <laughs> that period. Um, exactly. But exactly. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Well, Go, go well, I was saying, I was thinking, uh, well, wasn't uh, didn't Goblin do the original Suspiria soundtrack when yes. they released Synth? Yeah, yes. I, I really liked that. So uh-huh. I think that it's it's one of those instruments that it's got to be if you use it for like the that that kind of like creative, I, I want to call it experimental kind of sound. I really enjoy it. I think uh, generally uh, it feels dated, but every once in a while. Anyway, so what what did you guys think of his whole thing of just like trying to get this reservation at Dorcia that he was never going to get. 
What was the well, function like, of that in the movie, even? That's a good question. I like the way he I, would only try it at like the last it, minute too. It's I think like, it, I want to get was, one tonight. It was like it was it was like it was doomed to fail yeah. no matter what. It, it was, every time he tried. I think that was there to show the limits of his power and influence. Like that other guy could get it. The, yeah. The uh, well, he didn't even like attempt to use his influence. Clearly, his father is someone like super powerful. Yeah. But he never even tries. He never even like puts any effort into it never yeah. like do you know do you know who i am yeah, or yeah, yeah. he doesn't even like try he just anonymously calls up doesn't give his name mm. and hey can i get in there at 8 30 it's like it's such it's it's an approach that's just doomed to failure mm. even if he does have influence that's actually that's interesting and even gene points that out like you didn't say who yeah, yeah. you didn't use you give your name yeah. which obviously she was referring to the fact you couldn't have been yeah. making a real reservation but yeah. also if maybe if he did give his name, they would have been, oh, excuse me, sir. Yes, uh, let. We, 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 yeah, well, we've got, we've got, we've got it one for you. There you go. But uh, no, it, he just. Uh, and then he ends up taking that. Uh, what's 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 Paul's full name in the movie? Paul Paul Allen. He takes Paul, Paul Allen. Yeah. yeah. He takes Paul Allen. To, was that like a Tex-Mex restaurant that he took him to? What was that? Yeah, place? some really <laughs> yes. cheap, crappy place. Yeah. Well, I'd like to point out that all the food in this movie sounds disgusting. Like peanut butter soup? What? Yuck! I've had peanut butter soup. It's delicious. I, I, I mean, no, s- I disagree. <laughs> it, it was, Cilantro I, in there. And, oh man, every everything disgusting. was sort of done though in Why? that like very overly fancy way and presented in a certain way and oh yeah, yeah. you know it's 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 ridiculously over the top. Yeah. But I'm just gonna say you can you can make uh you basically like a peanut butter soup. You're kind of making something with kind of a. Uh, uh, what's what's the uh, a satay kind of flavor to it? And uh, how about the fried <laughs> calamari rings? Does that do anything for you? I love fried, fried calamari. calamari. Fried calamari I, I, is I mean, so good. I, I'm saying, how is that? How, how is fried calamari rings different than just like calamari? I guess is my question. That's I mean, what they it's fried. It. It's fried. <laughs> well, actually, one of the things that kind of got me about this movie, like speaking of the cuisine and the music taste and everything, no one has good taste. I don't think at all. Because, like, yeah, sure, I, fried calamari is pretty tasty. I'm sure mm-hmm. maybe there's a peanut butter soup that's really good. But, like, you, those don't go together, you know? And, like, whatever they list off oh, the stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to sit here while you badmouth fried calamari, Joel. That's just like yeah, a... I, uh, I... <laughs> no, I, 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 think... I like sushi. I like calamari and sushi, but I don't want to fry it, you know? Like, that's my line. But that's the thing, like... No one actually has fancy taste. They just have stuff that sounds fancy. Well, Maybe fried calamari. Okay, so so I want to clarify that fried calamari is not a fancy food. Like around here, maybe maybe there's like a a regional yeah. difference because around here, fried calamari is something that I get at like a clam shop or um, yeah, or an Italian or like an Italian too, sub shop. Right, but that's yeah. well, that's what I'm trying to draw attention to here is that it's absurd to go to one of these five star New York fried- restaurants oh. and get fried calamari as one of the main dishes. It's absurd to, like, have these hyper-specific, like, long-winded essays of taste about Whitney Houston songs. Okay, you know? I see what or, you're like, saying. I see what you're it, it's, it's weird. Like, all of the characters don't seem to actually have any kind of refinement at all. They're all just morons. Well, that's like that, that I, I whole... I thought it was interesting that, that Whitney Houston, they play a, they play a Whitney Houston song, but not her version. It's the only one where apparently her agent was on the ball and was like, no, <laughs> don't put that in there. They're not letting you play this song in the movie. It was the only one out of all the, all the popular songs. It was probably the only movie. agent that asked the probing questions about the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's yeah. the subject matter in this movie? Oh no, that will be a no. Um, the, but there is that scene where they're all around They're at, I forget where they were. They're at one of the restaurants and, 
they're all talking about politics and they're all kind of getting it wrong and they're basically trying to like one up each other on how much they care about the world and the guys like yeah. Sri Lanka where the massacres against the Israelis are and then the uh, and then the uh and then and then he starts and he's like oh no well I think what we need to do first is he just lists off a bunch of things like we need to end apartheid <laughs> like and then yeah topic points yeah and like he clearly doesn't understand or care about them yeah he just says we it's need to solve he them. was more specific yeah. you know and he had a what he sounded more informed yeah. But he then went to kill people. He killed a, a homeless person in an alleyway at the end of that scene. Yeah, well, well <laughs> you know? and, he, and he doesn't even. It really, the, the, he only he ends that with some statement about how. And w- but what we really need to do is advance social change or so, some very vague statement. To return to traditional it, American values, at like yeah, it's so vague and worthless. Well, and many of those things were contradictory that he listed off. He listed off a bunch of things that we need to tend to, but some of them were in competition with each other or directly in conflict with each other. Um, or just they're just pablum and don't yeah. mean anything and aren't in any way actionable and i love that about this movie and it's also something that you kind of have to mentally chew on where yeah. you're like well why did he want to make it seem like he cared why did all of them want to make it seem that way when none of them because it's all just about the competition against each other just you know it's yeah. it's, it's with everything because like because when he when that scene with the homeless guy when he kills him it starts out where it looks like he's giving the guy money he's like oh you're homeless and he opens up his wallet and then he just starts rebuking him like you know you should get a job and like he's like really laying into the guy and uh and the but the guy still thinks he's going to be giving him money and he's just maybe having to put up with this minimal amount of abuse until you know the guy says his piece and gives him some money uh but then he ends up stabbing him and and also i feel like that's one of the murders that i feel like if he did kill people that murder really happened in this film do you know what i mean like oh, yeah. like that that murder didn't it didn't have the over the topness that a lot of the others i mean it's over the top in that he kind of is saying all these things to the guy and he's being dramatic about it but it was like a very yeah, subdued there's no, killing. There's no comedic edge to it yeah. or anything either. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, stomach turning. He just yeah. stabs this dude to yeah, death. A, then he kicks the dog to death. Yeah. So. I know. Oh, okay, so there's a nice horror scene. That's actually genuinely just kind of grotesque. Yeah. 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 So, but, um, but so, so, you know, I, I, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying something. No, no. Okay. My, my mouth just bobbed on the <laughs> okay. frame for a second. Um, so it looks like I was opening my mouth because I have the so, beard. So I was like, oh. So, Joel, did you say that you read the book or you just peeked at the book? I just peeked at it. Okay. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Okay. Um, it's it's on my list, though. Okay. I, it's I, on my list. It's what I've thought about reading, but I haven't read. I'm curious it's, how different yeah, I, it is from the movie. I kind of have two reading lists. I have the reading list that I talk about in company and the reading list I really don't. And like American Psycho is on that second list okay. along with stuff like Lolita and things like that, mm-hmm. which I read and Nabokov's a genius, but you just can't talk about how much you love Lolita, you know? <laughs> you are doing that right now. So it's a, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you why I don't more commonly. Though. Okay. By the way, read whatever Nabokov you like. Everything he writes is genius. Okay. Um, but no, I've been meaning to, not meaning to, but I've been curious about American Psycho. It's one of those books where I'm like, do I want to try to read this? It seems kind of interesting, but I, but then it, it also seems like it might be a little bit like a long book. I'm not sure how many pages it is, but that is. It's supposed to be a lot more explicitly gruesome than the movie too. Is it? Which is, okay. You know, which <laughs> isn't necessarily an issue, but I'm just that's, saying. That's, that's not going to stop me just, from reading a, a that's book. Just a heads up <laughs> yeah. for anyone, anyone at home who's, who's, uh. I'm Listening. I'm fine with all that stuff, but like, uh, it's yeah. it's really for me is it's a matter of is the book going to be boring or not, and you know is it going to be? It doesn't look boring. I've okay. I've heard it's, it's good. I've heard it's good. Really, the only the only the only 
I mean, back when it first came out, I remember the reviews, and really, the the people that didn't like it were the people that couldn't stand well, the gore. The, and the everyone, and other than that, people generally were very favorable. I'll tell you one of, one of the reasons why I'm hesitant is any. I read a lot of books during the '90s, and then when I would go back and read those books again, there's like a mm-hmm. nine. There's like you know, a, it, that book was written in '91, right? It's a '90s book, I think. I, don't I, I could be I could be incorrect, so I don't want to. Um... I thought it was '80s, but that just could be because it's about the '80s. Yeah, that's. I thought it was set in the '80s, but um, but written in the '90s. I it's it's actually kind of written like a Chuck Palahniuk. It's, it's '91. It's '91. It's, it's really 91, okay. Like it's brief and it's intense, and the writing is really like kind of. I, like lo- I okay that I like. I liked Fight Club. I I liked Fight Club, but then there was another book I remember reading from that period called Great. I think it was called Great Apes, where a character. It was really weird, but I, if I recall, the character eventually either hallucinates or just has a realization that humans are all apes, and the story becomes this really bizarre, surreal thing about the ape society that he lives in, and uh, <laughs> and and you know, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, but well. It's really not. It really wasn't. It was. Oh, it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it it sounds good, and it's the kind of book that like that people like to talk about when it came out. But like, I remember reading it and like really not enjoying it as I was reading. You know, I I, 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 I but but I'm just so so the fact that it came out from that period inserts a little bit of caution. Uh, you know, a little bit of doubt. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I know, is there anything else we want to talk about in this movie? I know we covered a lot, but I. I... Man, yeah, we really dissected this thing. This is a real, <laughs> real postmortem. Uh, we should we should give our concluding thoughts on it at least. Yeah. Now we're not doing reviews, right? We don't do reviews and recommendations on this program. We just do our final thoughts. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Adam, are you still on board with that? I'm only asking because I remember you seemed a little bit reluctant when we first started. Oh no, I I mean the only issue I have with the final thoughts is usually I've already played out all my okay. best thoughts by the time we get the final okay. thoughts, and I'm like my tank's empty. Yeah. I'm like well, I'll uh, think of it more like a, a just a concluding paragraph, like just to summarize. Paragraph. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. You oh. know, just to put a bow on it. Like that's yeah. usually because because you're right. At this point, we have expurgated so much of what we had about this movie. So like when it comes to our final thoughts. Yeah, sure. There's a temptation to be maybe a little romantic about how we put a, lot, a final spin on it. I don't think it's necessary. I think we just summarize for the benefit of our viewers. Okay, so in that case, I'll say it's an interesting movie. I think that um, it's 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 cool because you really don't know whether this was all supposed to happen or not, and it's 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 it, it's great at remaining ambiguous after multiple viewings, and it it's similar in some ways to like a Quentin Tarantino movie where the dialogue is captivating. I do think it falls short of that. Like, it doesn't address pop culture in as compelling a way as he does, but it it uses it very cleverly, and, and it makes, it, you know, that the scene where they're talking about Huey Lewis in the news is pretty iconic for a reason. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it has an interesting dialogue. It's uh, it, it brings you into an, a world that's, you know... I don't know, strange and unusual, and 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 it's it's and again, despite our debate over whether it's a horror movie or not, whether that's the case, it's clearly trying to be a type of slasher movie or like a satire that take that draws on on slasher tropes, you know, to the to the extent that you know, like so, like I think Joel pointed out, it had Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the background in one of the scenes. Um, so I th- I think that you know it's cool, you know, if you if you're 
familiar with slasher movies even and you want to see another take on that on that genre it's, it's worth checking out too yeah i uh i don't i think this the main reason to watch it is kind of the social satire element of it as to whether or not it's horror honestly i don't i don't know i'm fine either way whatever debate obviously <laughs> people want to slap on is good it's it's just a i it's just a very riveting movie there's there's just a, a nice level of tension to it which is funny considering you you know i i don't know it's just it's just an excellent character portrait it captures this society which i've in no way ever been part of upper class new york society but i've been adjacent to it hmm. you know at points in my life in new york and it, it is just perfect it's just the perfect rendition of it i'm from even boston so i don't even want to know about that society where i come from you, you really don't you really don't but uh um but yeah so i don't know what's your take joel ah, i love this movie i do i've, I've been <laughs> a healthy obsession with this movie um i i think again the thing that gets me about it is that it stays with me so much after i watch it and i've watched it dozens if not hundreds of times like i i bought this movie as soon as i could as soon as i saw it i saw it on netflix a few years ago and i was like i gotta own it and every chance i get i'll i'll pop it in uh for me this is kind of like a video drone where like it's, i sort of religiously yeah. watch this movie uh this one bram stoker's dracula there's a couple where i'm like i'm just in love with these movies and um, I think it's because maybe it's a it's a powerfully psychological movie, and we we don't really ever truly leave our our protagonists again, for lack of a better term, head, except in these these interesting glimpses into this reality that's outside of him, and it, it paints such a fascinating and and uh, questionably accurate picture of the events in the movie. Uh, individual scenes, of course, are iconic. We went over a couple of those, like the the infamous uh business card scene but really almost every scene in this movie is is iconic in its own way mm -hmm. and it it has an interesting character and all these different scenes have a fascinating impact and another thing i'd like to point out that we haven't really discussed uh in a lot of depth uh did a little bit was just how good the performances are these are unusual roles and the actors were tasked with some very strange dialogue and situations and they portray the intense awkwardness of these things in a way that you feel it as yes. a member of the audience. And it's fantastic. And at the same time, unsettling, because some of that awkwardness is because we know that one of them is a horrific, violent, multiple murderer, a homicidal maniac. Um, it's, it's cerebral in a way that's not uh, condescending. Mm -hmm. And it's very accessible in a very visceral way. So... Ah, this movie's great. It's it's an unsettling piece of modern art that I am thoroughly obsessed with. So, yeah. So, I, I think I think with that we'll head out. I I, I believe I know what movie we're going to do next, but I'm not sure, so I won't announce a preview yet. But but we have some very interesting films lined up. We have a whole list. I, I should say, if anybody is still listening, uh, definitely send us your recommendations because there's a. <laughs> Why are you laughing at it? What's so? Faith in the podcast. What? Way to have faith in the podcast. Okay, okay, okay. To the people. Okay, let me let me restate. To the people I know who are listening to our podcast right now. To our to our legion of fans. Send us any 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 horror movies that you think that are worthy of being discussed or classics for whatever reason. You know, send them along. There's a good chance that we've overlooked some crucial ones, and we we all 
clearly have our own biases in terms of what horror movies we like. So, you know, and I, and I want to get a good cross section of films. I want like, I want like the lowest of the low and like the highest of the high. I want like the, you know, I want, I, I, I want like lowbrow, highbrow, low budget, high budget. I want everything. So, um, and I want old and new and everything in between. So yeah, mystics from mystics and Bali to the seventh seal. We want to do it all folks. Okay. The seventh seal is going to be a bit of a haul, but I, I guess we could fit that in too. Um, it's got to happen. <laughs> Mark my words. Etch it into my gravestone. So, but, but with that, we'll head out. And until then, we'll talk to you later.